These things we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming into agreement with me. That's what the body of Christ is supposed to do. Amen. Amen. (laughs) So, if you would, let's turn to Luke chapter 16. And we're going to go to the first verse. Luke chapter 16. The first verse. Hallelujah. Blessed be God forevermore. Luke 16, verse 1. And he said also unto his disciples, there was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee, given account of thy stewardship, that thou mayest no longer be steward? And the steward said within himself, What shall I do for my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship? I cannot dig and to beg. I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do that when I'm put out of the stewardship that I may, re- that they may receive me in their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him and said unto the first, how much owest thou unto my Lord? He said, a hundred measures of oil. He said unto him, take thy bill, sit down quickly and write 50. He said to another, how much owest thou? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, take thy bill and write four score. And the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely for the children of light or for the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. And this has been kind of our foundational scripture here for for a minute. Um, But the thing that absolutely becomes important to understand is that he is commending this unjust steward because he understands the system he works in. And he's saying that the children of the world are wiser in their system or smarter or more knowledgeable about how their system works than the children of light are about their system. And the thing that we have been really harping on is the concept or the understanding that the world system is different than our system. We function from a different place. We are in this world. We are not of this world. And so as a believer, understanding the distinction between the two means that you can never get caught up. (laughs) See, a lot of people get caught up in the world system and they think that's how things are supposed to be. But as a believer, it's very different. When the world, the world tells you to hoard and the Bible tells you to give. Are you, are you, are you understand what I'm saying? They are contradictory to each other and they are not one and the same. And so you cannot use worldly things to accomplish spiritual things. In other words, one of the things that I absolutely love to say, because it's such a truth, you cannot solve spiritual problems by natural means. And most people do not understand that much of what they deal with is, in fact, uh, spiritual problems that are manifesting in the natural. And so the place where we left off, uh, let's go to... Hosea 4, 6, and then we'll go to 2 Timothy 4, 2. <clears throat> Hosea 4, 6, and then we're going to go to 2 Timothy 4, 2. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Now, <clears throat> I know that many people have heard this, but I think the, 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 the thing that we have to understand is you've got to read it all. In its context. In other words, most people think that a lack of knowledge is that no one told you or you don't you, you don't have access to the information. 
And what he's saying is because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, and thou shalt be uh, no priest unto me, seeing that thou hast forgotten the law of God, and I will also forget your children. Now, having access to information is different than rejecting information. In other words, to reject it means it was given to you and you refuse to take it. And so a lot of times when this scripture is quoted, people think that he's talking about ignorance. And he's not talking about ignorance. Ignorance is you don't know. And the Bible tells us that there are certain things that are unto the Lord that you will never know. And you are never responsible for the things that you don't know. That's why if you remember the Bible says the things that you have learned... He tells you then teach them to your children because you don't want them to be forgotten. When the Bible talks about not moving uh, your father's boundary stones, it's talking about the constructs of whatever your family, your parents knew, they were responsible to teach you and you should never violate it. That's why it says don't move the, the foundation or the boundary stones of your parents. In other words, to keep in within what you've learned and what you know that has been passed down and passed down and taught and your constructs that you understand about God to not violate those things because it's dangerous to violate what it is you already know. Hence the reason why you can never have what you judge. See, if you if you are judging people about uh, their prosperity and you're talking bad about why do they have to have this or why do they have to have that? You understand the moment you do that, you can't have it. Because if you judge it a certain way for them, then it's got to be the same for you. Are y'all, are y'all kind of getting what I'm saying here? And so your levels of understanding are going to dictate your outcomes from God. God never deals with you in accordance with his ability. He deals with you in accordance with your ability to believe him. So if you have a low revelation of God, you will have a low outcome. If you have a 50 cent revelation of God, you will get a 50 cent return. Because he says that those that come to me must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And so as he's dealing with this issue of knowledge, he's saying it isn't that you didn't know. It's that you rejected what you knew. Are you understand what I'm saying? Because people think, well, you know, I just didn't know, and and am I bad, and am I messed up, and is God going to punish me, and all, which God's not going to punish you anyway. When you miss the mark, it is not God who decides to punish you. It's you open the door to the enemy. Because he cannot come at you without a legal right to do so. This is why we talked about causes. He said, for this cause. In other words, he said, this is the reason, or this is the place, why some are weak, some are sick, and some die because they're not handling the body properly. They're not handling responsibility correctly. And so when you get, particularly when you get into ministry, when you are serving uh, in higher levels of the organization, when you're on the platform, people are like, well, I want to sing with the praise and worship team. No, you don't. <laughs> you ain't got a clue what they go through. You ain't got a clue the attack that they're under. Half the time, they don't even know the attack they're under. Because the moment you are going to lead people into worship, something, listen, Satan was the worship leader for God. 
That was his job, to lead worship. So do you think something he can never do again, ever, that he's going to let people just step? The truth of the matter is he hates you. And he knows that if, if you can be led into worship, that God inhabits the praises of his people. And he knows that if he can keep you bound up and distracted by the craziest things and the not, this is why when we have people on praise and worship, part of their understanding and their pact with us is that you don't do crazy things. You don't come in here with purple hair sticking out through the ceiling because now people are more focused on you than they are on. Are you with me? Because we are trying to lead people into the worship of God. Not to the worship or to the distraction of man. Are you understand it? And so the attack that comes is because of the nature of the influence a person begins to have. Some of you need to take notes and write that down. Because the attack you live under is commensurate with the size of the purpose that God has placed in your life. That's why you're under attack. You wouldn't be under attack if you were no threat. You actually would prosper. Because you become his bank account. You missed that. There, have you ever noticed? <laughs> have you ever noticed? There are plenty of wealthy people that are believers and Christians. So I don't want you to think otherwise. But have you ever noticed that the most and the top wealthiest people are not believers? Because they're his bank account. If the wealth of the wicked is laid up, it's got to be laid up somewhere. (laughs) And you see these people holding billions and billions of dollars, keeping it out of the hands. That's a whole nother message. So... There's a difference between ignorance, I don't know, and being unpersuadable and stupid. Look at somebody, smile. (laughs) The key part to this is to smile and say, don't be stupid. (laughs) Some of y'all took way too much pleasure in that. See me after service and we'll, 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 we'll do a private altar call for you. <clears throat> when the, <laughs> yeah, okay. Give me a second. Go to, um, Second Kings. Verse 7, or chapter 7, verse 1. They're in the midst of famine to such a degree that uh, people are eating each other. I mean, literally eating each other. And that's how bad the famine is. And I'm giving a short version because we can't spend a lot of time here. Then Elisha said, hear ye... The word of what? Thus saith the tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Now, they're in a famine. And he's saying, 
about this time tomorrow, the famine will be over and there will be such a supply that it'll be cheap. Now, remember, they're eating folks, right? And he's saying tomorrow, you go to bed, when you wake up tomorrow, about this time tomorrow, everything will be over. Keep going. Then a Lord on whom's hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shall not eat thereof. In other words, I just told you what God said. And I'm not going to take it back. I'm not going to explain it to you. I'm not going to tell you how he's going to do it because it's not my job. I'm telling you that tomorrow you'll be able to buy these things for a shekel. It'll be that easy. He says, but because you heard the word, but you did not accept it, he said, you will see it, but you won't eat of it. Let me say it a different way. When you take a room full of people that all have different life situations, different struggles, and you watch someone else prospering. And in the inner parts of your heart, you're like, why are they prospering? And I'm not. Because you will see it. But you won't eat of it. This guy wasn't ignorant. The word of the Lord came. Yes? So he's not ignorant. He's being, he's being stupid. He's being unpersuadable. And what people don't understand is being ignorant, they didn't know that this was about to change tomorrow. But the moment the word of the Lord came, the moment the answer came. See, this is why what people don't understand with revelation is revelation can easily cause offense. And the only thing that tra- that translates it as offense or not is how you received it. I'll, I'll give you an example. There's there's a ancient story about a uh, leader in a community in ancient times, and his son broke his leg. And when his son broke his leg, everybody's like, "Oh man, that's terrible." And he said, "Maybe." And then the next day, the, uh, the, the leaders of the army came looking for soldiers to recruit. And they came upon his son and said, well, you got a broken leg. You can't come with us. And then when they left, the people said, oh, that was fortunate. And he said, maybe. <laughs> See, what I'm trying to get you to understand is, The circumstance is still the same. The only difference is your view. And what people have to realize is revelation can be offensive. It can make you mad. Especially when it's going against what you like. And so when people say, did Pastor nail your hide to the wall? 
Maybe. <laughs> Did it feel good at the time? Maybe. Are you mad about it? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Are you happy because it's going to change your life? Maybe. <laughs> are, are you are you getting where I'm going with this? And so it's not the absence of information. It is the fact of some people are unpersuadable. And I can tell you something that I've learned a long time ago, because sometimes people say, why aren't you trying harder to get this person to see it? Because the moment I've deemed a person unpersuadable, I'm done. There is much better use of my time. The Bible did not tell me to convince people of the gospel. The Bible tells me to proclaim it. So what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to teach it. And your responsibility is to get it, to receive it, to like it or lump it. Are, are you with me? And that's the nature of all of this because as you begin to understand, look at Second Timothy 4, 2. Paul's telling Timothy, he says, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. In other words, be ready whether you're ready or not. So even if you're not ready, be ready. And he says, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come where they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. In other words, they will take what they hear and they will rather believe lies because the lie is a soft truth that coddles what they want as opposed to what God wants. And this is where we said, um, where brother Keith Moore would say, teacher, teacher, scratch my ear, teacher, teacher, tell me what I want to hear. This is that place where people are like, you know, I'd rather hear a soft lie than a hard truth. The problem with a soft lie is, in the end, it's death. It might not be physical death, but it could be the death of a ministry, a death of a calling, a death of a purpose, uh, a death of, of hope. I mean, there's a lot of things that can die other than just a person. And this, for this cause, this is why some are weak, sick, and some die. And as hard as these types of messages are, they're extremely necessary because a lot of times people don't understand they're killing themselves. See, ignorance is murder, but stupidity and being unpersuadable is suicide. The only difference is at whose hand is it? And we don't want it to be on our own. Are, are you are you with me? Let's go to Second Timothy three five. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such, he says, turn away. For of this sort of they which creep into houses and lead captives, silly women laden with sins and led away with diverse lusts, ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of truth. Ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of truth. It is amazing to me how many people that will seek after the Bible in a way, to get answers, but they can never see it and it's right in front of their face. 
In other words, learning, or let me say it this way. You can pay for school, but you can't buy class. And school and education are not one and the same. And <laughs> um, school, for example, elementary, middle school, high school, school, as we know it to be, the iteration of school that we know today, do you know that that wasn't the way school used to be? The iteration of school that we know today was made by people, tycoons, business barons, who wanted to condition young people to be laborers. If you look at the way school is structured and how long it is, it's like a nine-hour workday. It was designed to take children to be the future laborers, the future cogs and wheels. So this is why when, when business people struggle, it's like it's not your fault. You were taught to be a laborer, not a leader. You were conditioned by a system that is all about the money. It was all about we need more laborers, so let's teach them a certain way so that you learn to be a laborer. One that don't ask no questions. You put in your 30 years. They give you a cheap gold watch. And put you out the pasture. And then your kids will have to repeat the same process. Are you? <laughs> so <clears throat> that's why school and education are not synonymous. Just because you go to school doesn't mean you got an education. Now, do you need school? Yes. And if you don't go to school, you're a dummy. Right? But we also got to understand where we can get our education from. And that's where the systems are now being evidently clear. Because now I'm being trained until I'm 18 years old to depend on a system. And then I go to college. Ain't nobody checking to see if you did your homework. Y'all not seeing this, y'all. You got to catch this. The system from first to twelfth, they check your homework. If you don't have it, they send a note home. They're teaching you to depend on a governmental system. Then you go to college, and they like if you want to flunk out, deuces, because we've already been paid. So now, ain't nobody sending a note home. You just get flunked, and then you flunk too much, you're out. Am I, am I, am I? So, so then, education and school are not the same. It's a different system. And we have spent all of our formative years, because the truth of the matter is, that if you don't get it into a child by the age of seven or eight, it, it ain't pretty much ain't fixing to happen. You now gonna need something from the Lord. Are, are you are you understand what I'm saying? So we spend our formative years learning how to be corralled 
Not learning how to solve problems ourselves, but learning about how other people solve problems. <laughs> Never mind. I didn't know that was going to come out, but let, let's let's read Second Timothy three five. In the um, um, Amplified, please. Amplified Classic. For although they hold a form of piety, true religion, they deny and reject and are strangers to the power of it. Their conduct belies the genuineness of their profession. In other words... Their behavior doesn't match the light they should have. Avoid all such people. Turn away from them. Keep going. For among them are those who worm their way into homes and captivate silly and weak-natured and spiritually dwarfed women. I would like to add to that, this is Gene's translation, uh, men as well. <laughs> loaded down with the burden of their sins and easily swayed and are led away by various evil desires and seductive impulses. In other words, they let their inward nature drive as opposed to what God has said. They let their lust for someone. They let their sexual attraction. They let their eros type of love. They they let their emotions drive. They let their loneliness drive. They let their weaknesses drive. They let soul ties run. And now all of their impulses and desires is what controls everything they do, which means they can't learn. They're always hearing it. They're hearing it over and over and over again. And they're like, play me a song. This is great. Man, you gotta come see my pastor. My pastor is this and you, you just don't know. You gotta come to my, okay, but what you don't understand is if they saw it in you, your invitation would not be so empty. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that one or two amens. I appreciate y'all. Y'all keep it going for the rest of them. (laughs) Keep going. These weak women will listen to anybody who will teach them. They are forever inquiring and getting information, but are never able to arrive at a... Recognition is recognition. 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 To recognize something, you have to have cognized it in the first place. That's how you recognize it. You have to recognize it. You have to be able to discern that it's something that you've already had some uh, uh, area of understanding in, and you recognize it. So then to recognize something is the ability to then know what is truth and what isn't truth. It amazes me how many people that, um, I'll give an example. It, there, there are people that I'll say certain things to. And they're like, well, okay, why are you telling me that? Because that's what you're struggling with. 
And because they don't like it, they'll go find someone else that will tell them what they want to hear because they'll listen to anybody instead of realizing that your first place of recognizing a teacher is do they have the capacity to teach me? In other words, I figure the source before I hear what they have to say. (laughs) Do they love me? Are they responsible for me? Or do they have an agenda? So, so of course, of course, your crazy new boyfriend is going to be the one to say we should find a different church. I've been your pastor for years. But you're ready to listen to anybody who will teach you. I don't take financial advice from poor people. You know, you know that person that just got into their multi-level marketing thing and they're like, you can make a million. Great. Show me yours. Let's sit down and I don't want to see something you printed. I want you to pull up your bank account in front of me and show me the million dollars. If you show me the million dollars, I am all yours, baby. Let's talk. But if you ain't got two nickels to rub together, you couldn't finance a quarter or a 50 cent deposit, quit talking to me. You ought to be listening. Because I don't listen to anybody who will teach. Which tells you there are a lot of people who will teach. The selectivity is not in the message. The selectivity starts in the person. Are you, because that's why I said teacher, teacher, tell me what I want to hear. They heap unto themselves people based on the message and not the message based on the people. Because once you get into the place of wanting to hear what you want to hear, this is why as a leader, as a business owner, your mentor is not on your payroll. I was watching this video today of this uh, this uh, assistant person who she was talking about how wonderful her job. I love my job. It's so great. And she's doing it to such a degree that, you're, that I'm starting to realize her boss probably watches her videos. <laughs> I mean, because she is singing this dude's praises like you just would not believe. I'm thinking to myself, you could just tell it's not genuine because it, it's 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 gone too far. This is why you can't have a mentor on your payroll. Because a mentor on your payroll needs to be on your payroll in order to be a mentor. Which means they ain't going to tell you the stuff you need to hear. They're going to tell you what you want to hear. Hence, the emperor has new clothes. And nobody's willing to say, dude, you're naked. Never mind. But are never able to arrive at the recognition and knowledge of the truth. Go ahead. Now, just as John's and Jambres were hostile to and resisted Moses, so these men also are hostile to and oppose the truth. They have depraved 
and distorted minds and are reprobate and counterfeit and to be rejected as far as the faith is concerned. Isn't it something how he says that there are people who are hostile to and willing to reject truth because they're absolutely hostile to it. So then why would you listen to somebody like that? <laughs> do you do you see the case he's building here? He said, in terms of the faith, these people should be rejected. Not counseled. Not argued with. Not listened to. Because in order to argue with somebody, you got to hear it. I don't let the TV run at night. You remember, some of you may remember, some of you may not, I'm about to probably date myself, but y'all remember the time where TV used to cut off at a certain point and it would go to the colored bars and it make that sound? And it just, that's it, right? Ain't not, there's no more programming. You realize TV now runs all day, every day. If you think that you are not susceptible to influence while you sleep, you have missed it. Because while you are sleeping, you are absolutely open, wide open. And so why would you let your TV run? How do you know what comes on? How do you know what's being talked about? So then that means I control what I hear. I'm not going to sit here and argue with you over some crazy doctrine. I don't even want to hear it. I don't listen to, if you watch uh, Christian uh, stations all day, you will hear 10 different doctrines. And you figure, well, it's better than watch it. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. Because then you've heard doctrines on people who don't believe in healing. You've heard people who do. And then when it comes time for you to believe for your healing, you are now wrestling with a thought process and a stronghold, and you don't even know where it came from. And it came because you don't guard what comes into your life. And so if we have to understand, as far as the faith is concerned, that we should only hear, hear things that actually line up with the Word, then we should be a little more careful what we listen to. We should be more careful what we see. We should be more careful what we invite in. And I'm going to tell you flat out, it's not my job to, tr to turn people to God. It's my job to get them saved. Preach the gospel. But I can't force a person to follow God. But tell me why people get in relationships and think they can do that. If God ain't made a man or a woman out of her, what makes you think you can? Oh, you're God. I, I didn't I didn't realize. I didn't realize. I, I forgot who I was talking to. Keep going. Y'all not like it. I'm going to find something you like. But they will not get very far, for their rash folly will become obvious to everybody, as was that of those magicians mentioned. You know when it became obvious? When Moses started to do his thing. That's when it became obvious. Up until that moment, they thought they had it figured out. <laughs> Do you pick up what I'm throwing down? 
all deception starts with the person being deceived. Very rarely does a person uh, know they're deceived and still talk like they're deceived. Usually they don't know. That's why they're saying the things that they're saying. And they're trying to bring you to the, to their side. All right. <laughs> Keep going. How you have closely observed and diligently followed my teaching, conduct, purpose in life, faith, patience, love, steadfastness, persecution, suffering, such as occurred to me in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra and persecutions I endured, but out of them all. Why would that be necessary to say? In other words, he's saying, keep going. Indeed, all who delight in piety are determined to live a devoted and godly life in Christ Jesus will meet with persecution and will be made to suffer because of their religious stand. Keep going. But wicked men and imposters will go on from bad, deceiving and astray others and being and led astray themselves. But as for you, continue to hold to the things that you have learned and of which you are convinced, knowing from whom you have learned them. He said, listen, you got these new people coming and talking to you. They don't know you. They wasn't there when you was at the bottom of the pit and you called on somebody and needed some help and your pastor came running to your help, sat you on their couch and spent hours pouring into your life and some new jack steps on the scene and starts talking stupid and you have the ability to turn off the voice that is invested in your life to listen to something that came from a far left. He said, that's why you're struggling. He said, now, if you don't want to struggle, continue to hold to the things that you have learned. See, because we've been talking about being in the pit. But now I'm trying to tell you how to. I'm trying to show you how the victory comes, because that's what he's trying to teach them. He's saying, continue, put it in the King James for a second. Continue thou in the things that you have learned and have been assured of, knowing whom you've learned them from. In other, in other words, figure the source. That's right. That's really good, sir. Not going to buy into craziness that just pops up on the scene. Pe- you know, people will come to the church. No disrespect meant if you've done this, but if people come to church and they got an idea, I don't want to hear it. You ain't been here long enough. There's people around here that that's, that have served, that have been involved, that have stuck with it, that have fought through battles with me. I want to hear what they have to say. They have proved, I consider the person before I hear their information. Well, I just think we should have Charmin toilet paper. I need to meet with the pastor because I want to see his vision. First thing I'm going to say is, check their given record. Because if you ain't so not narrow nickel, quit. Yeah. 
But see, people in the world, the world system, says everybody has a voice. The world system says, if I give you a Facebook page and a keyboard, you have the right to say what you want to say. And you have the right to get blocked. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm blown away at how many people have friended me. He's my pastor. And then unfriended me. And I have started this concept that I'm going to hold to, which is, if you unfriend me, you have every right to do so. But if you send me another friend request, it's $450. There's a reconnect fee. If you're, if you're, if you're, uh, you know, your services like your electric and your utilities and your cable and all that, if they charge a reconnect fee, so do I. And you ought to consider doing the same thing. <laughs> he says, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. In other words, the answer to how you recover, because we, we, you know, we, we've all been there. How do you recover? You continue the things you've learned. You go back to what you've learned. Because those things were designed to keep you safe in the first place. Look at uh, 2 Timothy 2, verse 24. I'm going to try to get you out of here a little bit earlier because there's only a few people and kids, and I don't want them to lose all of the mind they have left <laughs> dealing with y'all's chitlins. But, and the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men. A servant of the Lord must be what? And what? And in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. Go back. And the servant of the Lord must not strive. Be gentle unto all men. Do I need an anointing to be gentle? No. Do I need an anointing to be patient? <laughs> no. <laughs> Feels like it should. <laughs> to be apt to teach. Do I need an anointing to be apt to teach? Not really. In other words, to have the desire to want to help people. Now, what you teach, do I need an anointing for that? So now... Interesting that all of these characteristics that they say a servant of the Lord should have, only one of them kind of needs the anointing. The rest of them are the character of the person. (laughs) Patient, apt to teach, gentle unto all men. Keep going. In meekness, instructing those that do what? If God, peradventure, will give them repentance to the, or the recognizing, that's what acknowledge means, to acknowledge, acknowledge, to, to have knowledge of something and beforehand recognize it and say it's the truth. That they may do what? 
it's funny because when we start teaching on causes, everybody thinks they're in a cause. Right? They're like, and that's, that's a beautiful thing to some degree. Because your heart should be sensitive enough to be like, is it I, Lord? Because remember when Jesus said, one of y'all going to betray me. One of y'all, your feet stink and you don't love me. And nobody pointed fingers. They all said, is it I? So there's a healthy aspect of that. But by the same token, you're not all in causes. That's not possible. But only you would really know because you would know what God has dealt with you about, what revelations you have. And when you start working against your own revelation, then you're, you're working in a place of causes. Are, are you understand what I'm saying? Because you have light and you are darkening your own light. But that's... So now he says that they may recover themselves. So let's say you are dealing with a cause. How do I now get out of that? And that's why he says, verse 24, let's go back. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. And then notice what he says, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. So if you're opposing yourself, then what does that mean? You're working against your own self. He didn't say those that I oppose. He didn't say the ones that I'm keeping down. He didn't say the ones I'm making poor. He didn't say the one I'm causing sickness to. He said they're opposing themselves. He said, so then the answer to opposing themselves is I go back to verse 24. (laughs) I find me a servant that won't strive, but they're going to be gentle unto all men. They're going to take the time to teach it over weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks when they could just say, stop being an idiot. But they don't. So they interrupt their previously scheduled programming and they teach and teach being gentle unto all men. Giving it in bite-sized pieces, slowly, patiently. (laughs) In the desire of what? That oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth that they might recover themselves. That they might recover themselves. Y'all, y'all, are, y'all are missing it. Y'all are missing it. <clears throat> My wife, I love her. But if this was the blanket that we sleep with, I get this much. <laughs> she half my size. And in the middle of the night, 1 o'clock in the morning, I'm shivering, wondering why. And she wrapped up like a burrito. I can understand when you're covered. You know, you just like covered. You know, you lay and you're covered. Right? Because you like, you just pulled it over and you're covered. She'd be rolled up in it. I'm like, you had to get out, wrap yourself in it, and jump back in to pull that off. When did you do this? 
But see, she's covered. So then, because she's covered, the cold doesn't have access. It isn't until she's uncovered that now the elements have access. And she has to recover herself in order to get back where she needs to be. Right? So then what I do, because I'm the one cold. (laughs) So I grab that puppy and I yank it as hard as I can. (laughs) And then she wakes up looking around and I act like I'm asleep. But guess what? I have. You get it yet? So then, what you then have to understand, he says, that they may recover themselves out of the snare. How do you get out of the the snare? Not a snail, but a snare. How do you get out of the snare? You get back under. Because that's what takes you out of the snare. That's why, remember, God said, if you walk in the light, as I'm in the light, you're under the cover. You start walking in darkness. Notice what he says. Who are taken captive by him. Man, I'm telling you, I could preach an entire message off of just that. What does it say? Who are taken captive. Whose will? I thought the devil could not do anything to me because I'm a child of God. Who do I belong to? So are you telling me that the moment I become uncovered, he can do what he wants at will? Whose will? Mine? His. And then people wonder why he's having a field day in their finances, in their relationships, in their life. Because the Bible says every evil, evil work comes with strife. People have no idea that the covering is where you have to be. That protects you from the craziness. There's a covering that a husband provides in a marriage, in a relationship. If you're not married, you're your own covering. And Jesus and God, they're your coverings. But if you're married, your husband is a covering. And some people have no idea why their relationship and their marriage is on the rocks because they do not recognize the covering their husband brings. On the flip side, their husband's at home watching football instead of covering their family. Wonder why everybody's acting all crazy and everything's going. Because he won't take his position as the pastor of his home. Acting like a weakling. Like football going to save you. You sitting around watching a bunch of people making 50,000 times more than you make. Drinking your beer, thinking that's just so, you know, you're cool. While your family's going to hell. Quick, fast, and in a hurry. I know nobody wants to hear it. But the fact of the matter is, this is why the devil can take what he wants at his own will. Not your his. So if you understand that a thief comes but to only. Are you starting to see all these messages? Have you been here? All these pieces are now starting to come together? Good. Because I'm trying to teach you something. 
This is why he operates at his own will. If he decides to take it, he'll take it. If he decides to destroy it, he'll destroy it. If he wants to steal it, he'll steal it. If he wants to kill it, he'll kill it. And you're like, I feel like I have no control. I just feel like Satan just does whatever he wants to do. Here's newsflash. Close your legs and wait for your husband. Here's a newsflash. Act like you got some sense. Here's a newsflash. Walk in the words you have. Because ain't nothing open past one o'clock but legs anyway. I know, you want me to be gentle. I'm going to be gentle. <laughs> Listen. This <laughs> he came up here like, don't tell nobody else. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Thank you. I appreciate that. May the Lord return unto you a hundredfold. So, listen. So, because ain't nobody else cheering me on at all, which is cool. But listen. Who are taken captive by him. And the piece I really want you to catch is at his will. You step outside of the light you have. He can do what he wants to do when he wants to do it and how he wants to do it. I don't know about you, but I don't need that. Look at, look at, um, y'all not going to like that one. Hold on. Hold on. Let me skip that for a second. I got y'all at a good place right now. Y'all on the hill. I need you to stay on the hill. Okay. First Thessalonians 5.14. First Thessalonians 5.14. And why don't you put it in the message? No, no. Leave it in the King James and then put it in the message, please. So be ready to do that. Now we exhort you, brethren... Warn them that are comfort, support, and be patient. Notice the instruction. Warn them that are unruly. The ones that are just wilding out. Warn them. Right? Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. And be patient towards all men. Yes? Put that in the message, please. Get along among yourselves, each of you doing your part. Our counsel is that you warn the freeloaders to get a move on. You gently encourage the stragglers. You reach out to the exhausted, pulling them to their feet. And be patient with each person, attentive to individual needs. And be careful that when you get on each other's nerves, you don't snap at each other. Look for the best in each other and always do your best to bring it out. Now, what I want you to really pay attention to is the instructions that he's saying, here's how you deal with different people. Notice the feeble-minded. He says, you just got to pull them up to their feet. 
He never says counsel the feeble-minded. He says comfort the feeble-minded. The reason why that's important is because a lot of times there are people who have no light and they won't get it because they're feeble-minded. They listen to anything and everything. They can't hear it. They won't hear it. They're just feeble-minded. There are times, there are people that are, I'll, I'll, I'll use you for example. There are people in your life that you have counseled. They have problems, they call you. Right? They don't want to do what you do. You always say, hey, come to church with me. God can help you. They don't want to do that. Because they don't want to do the work you've done. Right? They don't want to deny themselves the way you've had to deny yourself. They, they don't want to invest what you've had to invest. But they're constantly calling you. And have you ever noticed when they call you, your day is about right ruined. And they go off happy. And you haven't learned they're an assignment against you. Because you're trying to counsel the feeble-minded instead of comfort. So when you're dealing with feeble-minded, it's more, let me just pat you on the back. They're there. Oh, it'll be okay. Well, what do you want me to, what would you advise me? Nothing. You don't have nothing? No. It'll be okay. You'll figure it out. You want to know why? Because I'm not getting pulled in. Some people are an assignment against you. Because see, if I say that about me, then you, well, isn't that what you're supposed to do? No. I'm not supposed to allow assignments against me. Because while I'm sitting here trying to convince you, I could spend twice as long trying to convince you than I can spend on two other people who are going to take it and do something with it. But the problem is, you can't be feeble-minded. <laughs> because feeble-minded now aren't the ones really getting all the help. They're just getting pulled back up on their feet. And you'll get knocked down again. <laughs> and then we'll come and pull you back up on your feet. Encourage the stragglers. Reach out for the exhausted, pulling them up to their feet. Be patient. But the problem is, my patience is not your deliverance. (laughs) In other words, I can be patient while you keep getting knocked down. You keep going through the struggle. You keep losing stuff. I'm patient with you. But notice nothing changes. And I ain't mad at you. Love you. But if you want to get out of this thing. Because. <laughs> and so. He breaks it down. Into. Kind of. Three categories. He says the freeloaders. Right. He says to them. Tell them to get a move on. If I tell you to get a move on, how do you know what to get a move on to if you don't already know? If I send you to the store and I walk behind you and you're walking to the store and I walk behind you and I see you hanging out at your friend's house and I say, get a move on. Hurry up. Where am I telling you to go? When did I tell you? 
So then pay very close attention. He's saying to those people who are the freeloaders, they have gotten it. They just won't do nothing with it. Tell them to hurry up. (laughs) The stragglers are moving. They're just moving very, very. (laughs) And so he says, gently encourage them because at least they're moving. Right. Right. So just keep encouraging them. Keep them going. They're moving. Then he says to the last group, he says, those that are tired, that are exhausted, what are they exhausted from? He says, take them, pull them to their feet, and be patient with each person, attentive to their individual needs. In other words, if I'm exhausted at doing it, then i got to come and kind of help you a little bit more. My involvement is predicated upon what you're going to do, not what you're going through. See, this is why he says comfort the feeble-minded, the ones that can't get it. They just can't get it. You just got to comfort them. You just can't. You know, put that in the um, King James for a second, verse 13. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, and support the weak. In other words, if you're going after it, you're going to get my attention, and I'm going to come help you. I'm going to pull you to your feet. I know you're exhausted, but we're not going to give up. We're going to keep going. But if you're just a freeloader, you know what to do, and you won't do it. I'm going to tell you, get a move on. Why is that so important? Because that's where your deliverance comes from. I can't fix your problem with money. 80% of all people who hit the lottery are broke within 10 years. 80% of people who hit the lottery are broke within 10 years. 80% of people who hit the lottery are broke within 10 years. Why? Because they've taken their same broke self into wealth. And the way you manage poverty is not the same way you manage See, you've got to understand there's differences in the system. And this is the whole point, is the system is different for you. And if you want to recover yourself from the snare, it's easy. Get back into the light you know. And walk in it. Make your decisions by it. And trust God and know that if you walk in the light you have, it has to work. (laughs) Well, Father God, we just thank you. Sorry I got to crash land this puppy, but... It is is what it is. Father, we thank you for light. We thank you for illumination. Thank you for revelation. Thank you for clarity that we begin to understand and put these things together for ourselves. We thank you that as we have sought to understand, you will continue to give us more light. You'll reveal to us the things that we need to understand. You'll show us the people in our lives that are just draining us that shouldn't be, that that are just taking more than they're given, that we begin to understand we don't counsel the feeble-minded, we comfort the feeble-minded. We're not going to... Uh, help people who won't help and do anything they need to do for themselves, but that we understand that it is our responsibility to be ready in season and out of season to help people try to recover themselves from the snare. But the only way to do that is to continue in the things that they know, to continue in the things they've been taught, to continue in the things, to hold fast those things that we discern and understand so that we don't lose them and lose our place. Father, we thank you for everything that you're doing in our midst. We're super grateful for it. We give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Everyone said?
Amen. Sure to love you guys. I will turn it over to whomever is going to release you guys. Ms. Renee.